Welcome to Brand Agony. I'm Alan Black. Every episode, we use the soothing power of stronger language to solve a problem for a troubled marketing professional. Today, we're talking about scaling up content production, or in other words, how do we create lots more content while keeping quality in check? To answer this thorniest of questions, I'm joined by as fine a collection of sentence tamers as you'll ever meet, Black Ad's Chris Tapley. Hello. Hello, Chris. Helen Selby. Hello. Hello. And Rachel McAllian. Hey, Dan. Hello, Rachel. Hello, everyone. So, on to this week's letter. It's from Rebecca, and she is in Aberdeen. Dear Black Ad, our investors expect big things from our latest round of fundraising. Marketing is no exception. How do we scale up our content production? What should we bring in-house and what should we outsource? Yours perplexed by content operations, Rebecca. So thanks for your letter, Rebecca. Sounds like you're ready to start creating more content, which is great. Now you just need to figure out how to do it on a practical level. As always, we will tackle the situation in three steps. Diagnosis, treatment and staying healthy. So I'm just going to get my throat cleared and get the rubber gloves on if you just... Two seconds there. Um, Rachel, um, if that's not disturbing enough to throw you off your your chain of thought, um, what do you think the main issue might be here? Um, This is an interesting one. So um, we'll start with the first part. How did he scale up? Hmm. Um, It sounds like Rebecca's not 100% clear on how big she needs to go with her content. Um, So to find that out, she probably needs to go back to the wider business objectives. Hmm. Um, What does the business want to achieve? What specific goals is the content driving towards? And then once she knows that, the plan of attack can follow. Yeah, I, I can, we, we've seen this before. This kind of misstep of a business leaping into producing content, thinking this is the answer to, you know, for example, lead generation without really understanding the nitty gritty of why they're doing it and understanding the, the specifics of what numbers they might expect to come out of that. So um, that in turn makes it really hard to keep things structured. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sort of measuring the success later down the line really difficult as well. Or perhaps impossible. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. Um, Helen, what else do you think Rebecca should think about here? Um, for me, it's skills. So you might decide that you have enough capacity in-house, for example, to write all this extra content, but it's not going to work unless the team you put together is actually made up of experienced writers. So mm. you, you need people who know what they're doing, essentially. Yeah. So it could be that you know, your marketing team could plan campaigns and build a content strategy, but you outsource the actual writing or it might be vice versa, depending on what skills you have. But to know how to allocate the work, you do need to know what kind of skills you already have at your disposal. Yeah. And that realism about how much you might expect people to do specifically, if you're kind of loading on extra tasks on top of their, their, their existing schedule and thinking, is this Mm -hmm. the best use of time? So um, for, for some clients, the answer is absolutely write a whole bunch of it ourselves. Um, specifically when I think of things like um, perhaps white papers, technical papers, that kind of thing, you would yeah. suggest probably that, that, that the client is going to write that themselves. Perhaps though getting a little bit of support in other things like um, it's the planning side they might need a bit of help with there. So, you know, how should we frame this topic? How should we structure it within the white paper? Mm-hmm. But then the writing of the actual thing itself, go off and do that yourself, guys. Um makes much more sense. Um, I, yeah. I think really it's it's just that idea of, you know, a really simple level, just defining the tasks, allocating them and allocating to the right folk, whether that's in-house if they've got time and it's a good use of their time or external if that's a better way of getting the job done quickly and easily. Yeah, totally. I, that's it. It's about getting the right people on the right tasks mm. and not just allocating stuff to whoever has time. 
Um, and I think it's worth mentioning here as well that it's not just the actual tasks that you might need support with. So you might also need a hand with knowing how to tackle those tasks in the first place. So this is where we get into the world of content operations and right. it could well be worth enlisting some help with that. So a lot of the agencies have you know, loads of experience when it comes to scaling up and getting big projects up and running. So it can be a good idea to tap into that and they can be really great to work with. Yeah, content operations is something that that lots of clients ask about, and I, I think I know we're going to come back to this. But th- th- this sense of um, not so much who's doing what as what's the kind of overriding kind of structure that this all sits in. What's mm-hmm. a good machine for making content at scale? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chris, um, what, what do you think? Uh, anything else we should be considering here? Yeah, I think that structure is is key. Really, um, it comes back to process. Before you start churning out a bunch of white papers and blog posts, videos, whatever, you need to think about how how that's going to move through the organisation. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of collaboration, either between different internal teams or between internal teams and external resources. So there needs to be a process that keeps that smooth. You know, um, for example, if your content writing is going to be outsourced, who is it that's actually overseeing that? You know, who's making sure that everyone uses the same tone of voice, or structuring the copy in the same way? Because if you, if you don't have any oversight on these things, there's no clear instruction, then when it comes to the proofreading stage, you, you could have a real mess on your hands. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's essentially about, about creating a process that makes production uh, as kind of almost invisible as it can be and, and just kind of Get, gets the pieces produced without this horrible kind of uh, meshing of gears as, you know, there's there's misconstrued briefs, there's how much did, are people expecting stuff to be proofed. Um, a great example of that would be, you know, for, for example, content that, that's produced to a reasonably good standard. And when it goes into the proofing stage, though, it's not quite there. It's not just you're checking for commas and, you know, a little bit of uh, tone, but really it needs a little bit more than that. And that can get quite frustrating quite quickly when you're doing things at scale. It might be fine for a one-off, but if you're trying to produce content uh, after content after content, y- you're going to get upset with that pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think to remove the friction of, of these sort of issues, you need to think about scaling up in the long term, mm-hmm. not just for adding a few extra people just now. You know, yeah. How are you going to record and keep track of all these processes and content pieces, what needs proofed, what's ready to publish, a spreadsheet might be fine for just now, but once you add in our 5, 10, 20 people to the content team, that spreadsheet's going to start to buckle under that weight and things are going to fall through the cracks. Yeah. Um, you need to start thinking about more scalable sort of uh, web-based tools that can grow with the team. Yeah. I think you just need to always be thinking a couple of steps ahead with these things, ideally. I, I think that's that's bang on. And and, and for me, I, I think of it like there are big decisions to be made, like, which content management system are we going to go with? And mm-hmm. it might well be that the one you're on, say, for example, you're on, you know, a really, you know, nice corporate WordPress deployment at the moment. And you're thinking, you know, should we be going to something a little bit more heavy duty, a little bit more enterprise? Um, it, it's it's not it's not that we're saying, you know, buy into that big, hairy, expensive piece now, just in case. It's more about, you know, sensing that, you know, there will come a point where this doesn't work anymore 
and we need something a little bit more robust. So, you know, yes, it's about looking at the big expenses, like maybe, like I say, your, your content management system, but looking at those little things too, like um, how you manage, you know, sign off and, you know, even just daft things like the tone of voice guide and, and, and stuff like that, that, that you need to have nailed down too. Um, so we've outlined uh, essentially the main symptoms. Um, now we're going to look at seeing how we can treat them. So you know, just step over to the uh, medicine cabinet there. And uh, ask Rachel, Rachel, what would you prescribe here to our reader? Well, I mentioned it before, but planning how much you want to scale up needs to tie in with your business goals. So mm. things like, is a general increase in engagement enough? Or do you want to push specific products or services? Or can you set your own time scales? Um, or are there business milestones or deadlines you need to tie in with? Okay. Um, Rebecca mentioned investor, so that normally means it's a latter. And she'll probably also need to show that her content's hitting targets. So it's worth planning activity around what those goals are. Um, an example of that would be, you know, are, are page views enough to satisfy investors or will they want to see direct conversions? And then once she's got those goals sorted, she'll be ready to figure out what it is she needs to do to achieve them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and and actually that example of page views is a cracking one because um, I, I don't think any investor, if they've got, you know, if they care about the money they've put in, it's going to be that impressed with page views or even things like um, spontaneous recall of brand. Uh, probably if money's being put into the organisation, it is going to be about more goals, isn't it? And they'll, they'll probably have some quite specific goals in mind, which which really are going to come down to, you know, bums on seats, cash in the till kind of stuff. Um, so we essentially defined um, what, 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 the, what the plan should be um, and understanding what those goals should be. Um, what, 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 how does that work, Rachel? What do you, what do you reckon? Yeah, so I reckon, yeah, you, you need the goals because without them, you're not really giving your content plan the structure that it deserves or like what it needs to succeed. Um, so they're definitely a must. Okay, so something like uh, bring in, you know, a thousand new uh, leads this month and that converts into, you know, you know, 200 new customers that are paying. If you've got those things, you know, nailed down, then you know what success looks like. Is, is that kind of the, the nub of it, really? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Uh, Helen, what, what do you think? Yeah, so I think you need to break down the different tasks. So this is kind of going on a more sort of logistical level, I suppose, but it leads on nicely from what you guys were talking about there, because I think once you know what your goals are, you can start creating a full reaching content plan with all the required tasks in it. So if you want to create more content, that's potentially going to mean you need a proper content strategy. You might need keyword research and keyword tracking if you're looking at SEO as well. And you're going to need a proper content schedule. You might even need a social media plan. You know, there's all these different things. So you need to get those mapped out and then you need to work out how much time they're going to take on an ongoing basis. And from there, you can start thinking about who should actually work on what. Um, but it is quite a lot to take in. And I think it can seem a little bit overwhelming sometimes. So you shouldn't worry about running before you can walk. Um, I think it can be a stage by stage process. Mm. You should, you know, you shouldn't try to do everything at once. Um, in fact, we'll probably encourage you to, to take it slowly and just learn and test along the way. I think that's why getting support is really important. Um, and, you know, if you want to create content that's really going to make an impact, you have to have the right plan in place. You have to have the right team for the job. And I think understanding the nitty gritty of each task is a huge part of that. Mm, I, I kind of, I, I think I agree wholeheartedly there. And that sense of, you know, doing things step by step might be fine for, you know, a lot of scale ups. Other scale ups might be in a real hurry to, to, to bring mm. revenue in and bring new customers in. 
And in okay. that case, you're thinking, you know, do you maybe go and observe another content ops team, you know, doing the job, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in a, you know, a friend's, you know, organization or using an agency to help you figure that stuff out so you can get those little yeah. shortcuts. Um, so yeah, you want to test things and take things, you know, step by step. That That's great if you, if you're able to, but if you really need mm-hmm. to boost things, then there are some things you can do to kind of shortcut that. But yeah, it, essentially, yeah, it, get those requirements nailed down before you start, you know, telling people what they're responsible for. Um, that, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Chris, what, what do you reckon? I think if you want to scale up content like this, and especially if you want to do it fast, then communication is really the the, the key. Um, don't guess what's going to work for your colleagues. Mm. Talk to them about it, you know, whether that's just a sort of one-on-one chat with members of the team or through bigger workshops. You can find out directly, you know, what is or isn't working about the way that you produce content just now. If there's any content skills that you want more training on or, you know, generally just get their their honest opinion on how things work or don't work. Um, and that way you can kind of head off any problems uh, that you have before you, you scale up and essentially just magnify those problems. Um, I mean, I don't think you need to follow every suggestion that you get, but listening you know, really actually taking the time to listen to people um, who are involved is going to be key if you want a smooth process that works for everyone in practice rather than just on paper. Um, once you've done that, th- then you can really start putting the logistics in place to to scale up that content production. Yeah, yeah great. that's a great take on it, Chris. So I think if, if what, what we're kind of like getting towards here is this sense of uh, don't go it alone. No, uh, never go alone. That's a terrible idea. I think anyone who's going to be involved with the day-to-day of this work needs to have a say in how it pans out. Um, otherwise, you know, there's, there's always going to be some sense of friction there, I think. It's, it's very important to let everyone contribute to this. Okay, and that leads us beautifully on to staying healthy, which is our, our final uh, part of uh, the podcast. And Everyone is able to contribute, and uh, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind, Rachel, would you mind stepping up to the uh, the Black Hand Harp podium, if you wouldn't mind, and just give us a little rendition of the uh, Stay Healthy um, clip, if you wouldn't mind? Sure. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, if you don't mind me saying so, Rachel, and um, you know, uh, you know, apologies to to the other members of the team. Really, uh, a reading of that piece that I, I wasn't expecting. Something really, you know, new. Something very different, and. Um, I don't know where it came from, but yeah, more of that, please. Yeah, no problem. That was it was a work in progress, but you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy this as well. Um, how how would you build on those basics? How would you keep uh, the content production healthy um, for for the scale up? Yeah, I think it's just keeping an eye on your business goals, so checking in on them regularly and probably quarterly is best. And then that way you can keep track of what is and isn't working and kind of optimize as you go. Mm. Um, And then as you grow and increase your goals, you can ask yourself if you need to increase your investment in your content as well. Um, And maybe then you can shift your approach towards your content as a result of that. Yeah, I would agree. And I think quarterly feels like a really nice, sensible way of thinking about it because you're not going to get uplifts from, you know, a lot of content, you know, from one week to the next. It builds over time, especially when we think about SEO and especially when we think about getting other people to link to your content as well. Organically, I'm not talking about, you know, horrible kind of black hat linking campaigns and things like that. I'm talking about that kind of organic growth. Um, Yeah, that's a great take on it, actually, Rachel, I think. Um, Helen, what about you? 
Yeah, so it's similar, really. For me, it's about making sure that you keep assessing your content production. So not just in relation relation to the business goals, but in relation to quality. So are the same sort of problems arising, for example, during proofreading? Or is the quality of the content consistently good? Um, is the collaboration smooth between different teams? If you're working sort of with an agency, for example, are things running on schedule? I think if you ask yourself, these questions quite regularly, that's going to help you decide whether you need to bring in more resource or, mm. you know, you might even find that you're ready to scale things up even more or that you need to scale things down a bit and sort of keep learning before you try and get too big. You know, it just yeah. depends. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what about you? What do you think? I think in terms of, you know, maintaining this over the long term, it's just a case of, you know, keep talking, uh, you know, schedule regular meetings with your teams, whether that's a weekly call, a daily check-in, monthly review you know however you want to do it you know these are not to put people on the spot but to give everyone a chance to voice any concerns share ideas and generally just kind of build a bit of team spirit that, that keeps the momentum going on on producing that content yeah no i i think so i i mean my conclusion from from that would be um, the, the biggest thing that makes the biggest difference is it's back down to that p word again process um it's not maybe particularly scintillating, but it is absolutely core to this. And get advice if you're not sure what good content ops model looks like. Um, and then, you know, once you've kind of got a sense of that in terms of the broader picture and how it's worked for other folk, um, you then need to kind of glue that bunch of processes to your business goals. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Um, and Rebecca, mm-hmm. I, then I think it's over to you over in your scale up to go and, and make that all happen. So thanks for listening. Um, that wraps it up for today. We'll be back soon using stronger language to cure another listener's brand agony. For more on brand language, messaging, content training and tone of voice, visit blackad.co.uk.